Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in I believe that God's gladly lived a packet until all around the world it's been circulated. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. This is episode 101, actually, of the Faith Challenge podcast, and I'm Tim Dodd. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have Brother Jean Manassi with us this week. He's come down with COVID, and so I am flying solo. But we want to welcome you and welcome uh, our guest here, whom we'll introduce in just a moment. This week is kind of a continuation of last week's podcast where we went over some of the principles of working in missions in the end time. And uh, we want to expand it a little bit. And we have Brother Ed Hammermeister with us, pastor of End Time Message Tabernacle in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, who, which church has always done a great work in missions, previously under Brother Harold Hildebrandt. And they're continuing their missions vision under Brother Hammermeister. And uh, uh, before we get started with Brother Ed, I just want to say one of the things that we want to do in the upcoming podcast, in an upcoming podcast, is do a session of questions and answers. So if you, the listener, have questions about missions, maybe we haven't thought about it, and maybe it's something that's been on your mind, you can email us at missions at BibleWay.org. That's missions at BibleWay.org. If you have a question, and you can send that in to us, and we'll be happy to take that up in an upcoming podcast. But right now, we're going to turn to Brother Ed Hammermeister, who's with us live from Edmonton. We're connecting from Vancouver to Edmonton today. And welcome, Brother Ed. Greetings, Brother Tim. It's uh, good to be here with you today. Good to uh, be connected with the believers at Cloverdale Bible Way and, uh, and our current association, um, as, as well as the past, in, in working and collaborating together in various things, missions being a part of it, and that's the focus today. But I'm happy to be here, be part of it. And, um, you know, whatever I can share, um, I, I didn't really put too much down. I, I just been thinking on a little bit today, but uh, ho- hopefully we can share some things just from the heart is what I'm talking. I'm sure you have a lot to share and we're going to try and pull it out of you. And so uh, I know you've been the pastor there in Edmonton, officially the pastor for how long? About a year, year and a half? Year, year and a half, I would say. Um, okay. but Operating in a, in a role before that, but Right, exactly. You, it's not that you're new to it. You were assisting Brother Hildebrandt very closely in his latter years as he was wrestling with some physical issues, and uh, the Lord took him home, and we're sad, always sad to lose a great soldier like that. But your association with End Time Message Tabernacle goes way back, and uh, I think you've worked with Brother Harold over the years and traveled with Brother Harold overseas. Now, why don't you give us some of your background? You know, what you've, how long you've been there for our listeners. And and they're not just in Cloverdale, but around the world, people listen to this podcast. And uh, they might be interested to know who is Ed Hammermeister, this man 
this brother that's now pastoring Anti-Message Tabernacle, which has had a great presence overseas. And go back to the beginning, bring us into it and and tell us about your association and, and bring us into some of your journeys with Brother Hildebrand. Okay, uh, so in a, in a very brief nutshell, I, I met Brother Harold in, in about 1972, just as he started a little house meeting. At that time, I wasn't saved. I was just a 12-year-old boy that sat in the corner of the living room and probably didn't serve to give him a lot of inspiration. <laughs> However, many years later, it was about 1983 that God started dealing with me. And um, incidentally, I, God was dealing with me for a, a period of time. And I came to Cloverdale in 1984 at the time you held your first convention uh, with the intent of being baptized. And in fact, I was baptized in the log house that used to be the church of Cloverdale Bible Way. And uh, so my beginnings go back to that. And shortly thereafter, I, I began to attend the church where Brother Harold was at. Um, we uh, we began just just uh, in several buildings, but we began to become acquainted with Brother Harold's burden for the missions work. And uh, over a number of years, he began to host conventions, brethren, uh, different times. I'll, I'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. But as a young man, I remember God dealing with me and maybe much like Paul I felt God dealing. I spent a lot of time in prayer. I read uh, journals and and uh, of various missionaries. That was very dear to my heart in the beginning. Uh, men, you know, secular men, Jim Elliott. There was others that went to different places, and and I always had this fascination to be able to go out and and hearing of what God did. So when Brother Harold. Um, I'd heard of his trips and his burdens, and it was in 1990 that I actually went on my first trip uh, with Brother Harold. I determined I wanted to go. I was gone five weeks. I was just a young man, had ministered only to the youth meeting a couple times to the church, but I joined Brother Harold for three weeks. Um, him and Sister Marlene traveled together. And then I was an additional two weeks beyond, but it served, I didn't realize it at the time, but it served to be quite a training ground. Right. And uh, it was, it was a, uh, it, it was, it was very interesting. Uh, I don't think we can replace and we maybe recognize in the time and the season, the, the experiences that God is bringing us through, how mm -hmm. God was dealing with brother Harold how that would affect me even to this day, how I, I witnessed principles that, that came into play as, as, as God would uh, begin to move upon me. Um, incidentally, Brother Tim, at that mm -hmm. time, you were a pastor in Grand Prairie, and I was the one who was probably traveling overseas, and you were asking me questions. <laughs> and today the roles have reversed, and I'm a pastor, and you're probably traveling overseas a lot more. Let so me let me interrupt you just a moment. You you yeah. talked on your this trip in 1990, five weeks, uh, three yeah. weeks with Brother Harold, and then two weeks on your own. What countries yeah. were you in? So, I, I met Brother Harold in Kenya, and mm -hmm. uh, I met in Nairobi. Um, 
I ended up that weekend was a youth convention in the country of Kenya. And Brother Obadiah Kamwati had invited me to minister the Sunday morning service. He said, it'll be for the youth, it'll be youth from all over the country, and um, which I did. And I didn't realize there would be 500 youth and 1,500 of the regular congregation there. So it was overwhelming, but I, I witnessed God just begin to use some simple thoughts. And I saw a, a very great effect uh, to what was happening with, over there as, as the word came forth. So it was Kenya. And then from there, we went into Tanzania, mm-hmm. also into Malawi. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are countries in Eastern Africa. And um, I'll, I'll share a little bit more, you know, Tanzania, we met with a man, uh, Brother Zephaniah Peters, a very dear soldier. And uh, we I witnessed Brother Harold would preach, you know, the convention meetings. But I also witnessed going out into little towns and villages and being able to meet the people directly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was very it was it was it was quite a cross section of what we went through. And uh, from that, we went into Malawi, and in, in the country of Malawi, we traveled rurally, not so much a convention, but went from place to place. Mm-hmm. And uh, to give you a little context for, Brother Harold had been there two weeks prior to me. And in those days, Brother Harold would go four, five, six weeks at a time, and he would literally preach every day. He had preached 27 times in 28 days. My. and when I joined him, he was very exhausted and he'd been overcome. In fact, his voice had gone out and I traveled out and actually took his place in a couple of meetings, which I felt insufficient. Sure. But yet God used it. And, and I, I, I never ceased to be amazed at how God blesses the meetings overseas mm-hmm. um, exponentially, if I can use that word. Uh, And I I say that because I believe that's where the heart of God is as far as getting the last seed in. And and Brother Harold had tapped into that, and I was able to be a witness to that. Um, Brother Tim, you feel free to jump in. I don't want to just... I was just uh, letting you move forward, but you went into Malawi. Then after Malawi, did you go to Uganda on this trip? No, actually, I didn't. Um, I hadn't gone to Uganda until just recent years. Um, That was one country I never did go to directly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've gone now, I'm going to just say, um, to about 15 countries, 12 to 15 countries in Africa. Mm -hmm. And... um, but Malawi, it was, it was Kenya, Tanzania, Malawi, and Eastern Africa at that time. And um, the second part of the trip where I, I, I parted ways with Brother Harold and went on my own, I was in Ghana and Nigeria and in Liberia on, right. in West Africa. That's quite, um, we would call it a milk run. You, you went in a lot of countries on one trip, but you were gone five weeks. So that's, I was uh, gone five weeks. I was... Uh, you were single. You were thirty years was, old, and I had I a lot single. of energy. <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless you for that. Now, yeah, do you know how many? Uh, and I'm just getting background. We're still just in background here. 
what how many trips you've made overseas yourself did it did it continue or was it sporadic from between then and now it it continued um a fair bit initially it was about four or five trips i had gotten married we started raising a family mm-hmm. and it made it more difficult to get away at that time so there was a probably about a 10 year interlude um so i i'd say five five trips for sure mm-hmm. um now i i will say this brother tim mm-hmm. Coupled together with our missionary meetings, conferences that we had, I developed some very close friendships with brethren overseas. And I I will just attest to, I believe they were God-given friendships. Mm -hmm. And they were were friendships that stand the test of time uh, to this day. Mm -hmm. And I will say real men of God, uh, men that uh, I, I consider pillars in the gospel. And I, I can say that by the grace of God, it has allowed me to keep a broader perspective of, of what we have. Sure. I think and, one of, and of, what, of what this message is, actually. I think one of the things that uh, people might not understand, and I don't want to ever accuse anybody of ignorance, uh, certainly, it's only uh, the fact that they don't have the experiences of travel. Missionarying, if we can say it that way, or, or reaching out to these places in this age is definitely different than it was in the great missionary age. And that in those days, you're traveling largely to unconverted lands and you're, you're, going in amongst heathens and different things as they begin to sow the seeds of the gospel in the Wesleyan age, especially in the Philadelphian age. And so we, but in this hour, we're traveling much often to lands that have Christian backgrounds because of that age. So for example, a country like Uganda or Malawi, or maybe to a little bit lesser extent, Tanzania, there is a, there is a big Christianization that has gone on and they are now um, they are now aware of who Jesus Christ is. They are aware of Christianity in general, and, and there's many different types of churches and denominations. And so we're not sowing the basic salvation message of Jesus Christ. We are taking an end-time message into these places. I, I agree. Um, it, I, I've, I've maybe never, once you travel overseas, I, I say this after the first trip I came back from, you can never be the same. Yeah. You, you begin to see, uh, you know, out of Matthew 20, 24, and I believe it's, it's Matthew 24, verse 14, it says, This gospel will be preached in all the world for a witness. Right. And, and when you begin to see the context, as you alluded to, of the great missionary age, um, you know, what seeds were planted and, you know, how it, it set for the gospel that we have, that God has brought to us, the message of this last hour. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it allowed it to fertilize quite well and, and, and there was a receptiveness to it. But it, it, it's, it's marvelous. I don't think there's anything like it on the face of the earth. Um, and so, so I, I really uh, would, would, 
you know, go along with it. You're going into heathen lands, you're going into places, but there's also a basis that you can begin to work with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you're right. We, these were the infancy or the infant days of the message. Right. Many of these you know, countries received the message in the eighties, seventies yeah. and eighties, but largely the eighties. And, right. uh, you know, but the, if I can just shift a gear here, the, the brother Hildebrandt traveling and you being involved in the church there, those were not his sole uh, efforts. It wasn't just a minister traveling overseas to preach. There was other efforts that were ongoing in the church, such as you already mentioned the missionary conventions that he would have every three years. And also right. in, in a great portion, the books that you would print and ship into many of these countries that were able to uh, firstly read English, but then also do translation work. So let's start with step one, the missionary conventions. I found them because I I went north in 1985 and I started a church in Dawson Creek and was there for 10 years. And then the church kind of shifted over to Grand Prairie, which they're kind of two cities in a similar area there. And uh, I found the missionary conventions to be eye-opening. As you said, many friendships were established there. Real brothers were introduced to North American brothers because of Brother Hildebrandt's um, acquaintance with them and having ministered in their churches. And then he invited them over here, and they attended these missionary conventions. And often they would travel in Canada, for example, and would visit us in Grand Prairie. And we would have services, even Dawson Creek before that. So tell me your impressions of the missionary conventions. Uh, they were, you know, they were illuminating, Brother Tim. It, it, it broadened our experience in the Lord uh, in seeing how he dealt with, with various ministries, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there were ministries and, and names that we could you know, begin to to bring to the forefront. Uh, you know, brethren like like Brother Jeremiah, who Brother Chikozi, Brother Dixon, different ones that came. Brother, you know, Brother Jim Naimichi, and 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 seeing the diversity of God's leadings and how they took a hold of the message, and it, it's a life beyond just being taught. It's 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 God working in His body. Yeah. And, 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 you know, having these brethren come together, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back just for a moment, brother Tim, brother Harold, you know, he, 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 along with brother Don Bablitz, um, took his first trip, I believe in 1980, Mm. but it was a very simple call. He, he would look at the work that brother Biskel was doing, maybe brother Lonnie Jenkins in different countries and, and, and he asked this question, you know, why aren't any of them going to Africa? Hmm. And, uh, and then a little voice came back to him and said, well, why don't you go? Mm-hmm. And that began to be his burden for Africa. He just followed that little nudge. And as he moved into it, it opened and opened and continued to open. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, when he'd go, you wouldn't see it. But when the missionary meetings were held here, you began to see what God was doing. It, right. it, there's nothing like being on the ground in a country 
and meeting with the brethren. Mm-hmm. And we got a little foretaste of it when they came here and and we began to see that. And it, it worked not only on a ministerial level, but on our congregation, we received different people into our homes. But it, it the meeting served to be an inspiration um, to see how churches were growing, how God was dealing and what was dear and precious to our hearts was equally dear and precious to them. I think, uh, on brother, s- yeah, go ahead. I think on several levels, you know, we, I, I think that impacted me the same. One of them was to realize that this is a worldwide message, that this isn't a North American message, but I came to those meetings and developed a great respect for many of those overseas ministers as I yeah. heard them preach, as I listened to what God was doing in their countries. And the, I think the impact of those conventions cannot be underestimated because many people in this hour don't recognize it. There was no internet back then. You know, right. There was no communications. If you wanted to send something overseas, it was by letter, snail mail as we call it. And, you know, post it and wait, send it out a week and then wait another week for another reply. It might be two or three or four weeks before you get something back from overseas. So the internet in the 80s and, and early 90s was non-existent. And uh, I don't even know what year the internet came in. Somebody else might know that. But uh, but these these conventions that brought these brothers over, number one, it was a huge logistical um a huge logistical undertaking, but it brought, as you said, as you heard from these brothers, you had them in your home, all of these things, you begin to hear things that you couldn't hear any other way. Correct. It, 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 it was, <clears throat> I, I'm going to, if I can share one, one little principle, mm-hmm. you know, we, when we would share about going overseas you know, you, you can share on a natural level. You know, you're moving from into third world countries, primitive conditions. Uh, in some cases, there was civil unrest. There was cultural differences. And that's one side of it. Yep. And it's very easy to think because this is a North American message. We have the prophet came from North America. It was in our language. But when you move past all of those things, the, the change in culture and all of that, and you get down to the heart of where God is dealing with individuals and lives and you see them being affected and you see convictions just like you went through, you began to realize the, the impact. And, and, and one thing that really, I believe, was worked well for brother Harold was what I witnessed was the humility to go in and be a part of the people to live in, in a way that was maybe uncomfortable to what he was related to, but he had a heart and rather than looking down, I believe what made it very effective was that he viewed them as brothers, Mm -hmm. as children of God, not not from a position of cultural difference that we were better, which which would be very easy to do, but I believe he treated them as equals, and on that basis, I believe it it made effective uh, the work that God wrought through through him. I believe when so. He was there. 
Yeah, I believe that, Brother Ed. And and that was my experience in even conversing with Brother Harold about many of the works that were overseas. Now, at what stage did the book printing come in? Were you there in its beginnings or was it before you were there? It, it had started just before I was here. If I can say it this way, Brother Harold had uh, one of his residences. He had a garage that he never parked the car in. Uh, it was strictly a garage used for printing of books uh, and storage and then and sending them out. Now, th- this may be hard to relate, as you said earlier, without the digital, the Internet. Right. Uh, we have to consider and, and think in physical terms. You know, I, I go back... Our family, uh, I grew up in a home where our family received the message. My mother, in 1963, mm. uh, we had reel-to-reel tapes playing in our home. And 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 those tapes would arrive in Edmonton. Uh, they would be in your home for a day or two days, and you'd listen to it as much as you could. And then it would be passed on to another home. Many people right now, Brother Ed, are Googling, what is a reel-to-reel tape? <laughs> Carry Brother on. Brandon would, re- would refer to it as the magnetic tape. Yeah, <laughs> but but it was it, you know it was it was amazing the 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 demand you know it w- was you you couldn't even meet the demand for the desire that people right. had in their hearts. There was it, it was it was amazing like like to see how you know we had books they were printed Voice of God wasn't in existence. It was spoken word evangelism at that time. Mm. And uh, we had the earliest books and I still remember them. And Prophet Visits South Africa was written and and, and all of these things. So I, I say all of that because now that was the experience in North America at the old early days. Now go overseas, minister, mm-hmm. but have nothing for the people to have in their hands would be like the start of the message in North America, maybe many years later. Mm-hmm. Brother Harold witnessed that, and, and God gave him uh, even the imprint, the blue books, the format that we had. Um, God gave him a burden for that. I, I believe he also dreamed a dream where the eagle that you saw on there, uh, Brother Harold was an artist, but that came as a result of a dream, mm. the format of the three books. So our church began to be active in putting this in book form. Right. And, and you know, traveling overseas, ministering, and then saying the people would, you're leaving and say, well, can you send us some, some of your tapes or books? And Brother Harold said it was in his heart to give them the, you know, the at that time was the cassette tapes now. Mm-hmm. And, and then it was the books. And, and the, the burden went hand in hand with what he saw overseas. Right. And it, it became a staple for working ministry uh, together with, with, with the printed and the, the tape form uh, continually. Right. And, and Last well, week we, when, we, I, we, when I had a, uh, when we had our podcast, I was emphasizing that Missions, anti-missions work is has two components. One is finding the bride, but the other is clothing the bride. And I think that's what you're describing is 
you know, it's not just a matter of going there and introducing that God sent a prophet, God sent a message and has vindicated this message in the end time. But then it's putting the message into the hands of the people. And I was going to ask you about the cassette tapes because I remember, uh, you have to realize I only came into the message the same time you did, which was 1983. And so, you know, I remember in those days going to Edmonton and seeing these books, seeing these cassette tapes and hearing of, of how they were ministering and reaching out to all these countries and sending them these materials. It was a source of audio uh, tapes that was few and far between in those days. It, it, it was um, the, the term, and I think you would know it, uh, what we would call a seed library, right. cassette tapes. And that was a selection of, of maybe key messages that could be put into various locations overseas, you know, starting with the ministers, but also available to congregations. They would have uh, libraries where they'd have all these cassettes. You could borrow it. You'd bring it back. You'd play it. Yep. Um, it, it, you know, it, it was just, you know, imagine yourself if you, you know, that it's so readily available now, it's hard to comprehend. Exactly. That, that the message wasn't available for everyone. You couldn't just search a quote. You couldn't do it. This was a lifeline. Mm-hmm. And and not just the cassette tapes, but, but the books. Right. And, you know, the, you know, reading those books, just, I, I've met, I've gone into homes overseas where these books were marked up and highlighted and they're passed around and, and it, it, it's the lifeline to, yeah. to, you know, the stable Christian life in this last day. And furthermore, it grounded those early ministers in the Word till now we go overseas and we find these mature ministries. And that material that they had access to was crucially important to them uh, being grounded in the Word of God. You are listening to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. And we trust you're enjoying the interview with Brother Ed Hammermeister. This is the end of part one of the interview, and we'll be moving to part two on our next podcast. But we've heard some wonderful things today, especially of the importance of getting the message into the hands of the people and uh, the work that has gone on throughout the years to enable believers around the world to receive the message of the hour. While there has been much work done, we can certainly say there's much more work to do, much more printing, much more translation, in order to enable the Bride of Jesus Christ around the world in her own language to receive the message of the hour and be clothed by it, being made ready for the rapture. This has just been a small podcast and a continuation of the thought of some of the principles of mission work. If you have questions about mission work, you can email us at missions at bibleway.org. That's missions, plural, at bibleway.org. And we'd be happy to take your questions for an upcoming podcast and in turn uh, answer your questions on the podcast. I'm sure you've been blessed by what you've heard today. May the Lord continue to bless you, and we thank you for listening. Until next time, shalom.
Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends, the bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This was another episode of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in more podcasts and more content as it pertains to mission, please go to our website at BibleWay.org. That's BibleWay.org. And subscribe to our newsletter. We will make sure that we send you updates on a weekly basis of the works that the Lord is doing all over the world. Additionally, you can send us an email at info at Bible-Believers.org. That's info at Bible-Believers.org. And once again, we'd like to thank you for your support. This podcast would not be a success without you. Until next time, may God bless you.